Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and the LMU Basketball Podcast is only here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Welcome into the show once again, everybody. I am your host, Jesse Cass, bringing you a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. And as always, we've got a great show for you here this week. I have a a really fun conversation with Jeff Lampy, who was the play-by-play voice for the LMU Lions for 11 years uh, and a good friend of mine. Uh, I took over for him seven years ago when he moved to Denver. Uh, It was great to catch up with him in Las Vegas at the West Coast Conference Tournament. We talk about a lot of different things going from his time at LMU, some of his best road trips, some of his best moments, uh, to some of his worst, and some of the the more interesting games. A really fun and well-encompassing conversation of, of everything from his time at LMU. So really excited to bring that to you. But of course, before we get there, want to take you through the past week in LMU Lions basketball. And as mentioned, it was in Las Vegas in the West Coast Conference Tournament for the LMU Lions, who came into Vegas on a hot streak, having won three games in a row and earning the fifth seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament. That earned them a a one-day bye, avoiding the Thursday round of games, and they ended up taking on the Pepperdine Waves. Pepperdine, who trailed much of the game on Thursday night against Pacific, was able to make a late run to win that game, and they used a similar formula, unfortunately, to dispatch of the Lions in a a very close ball game. LMU falling to their rival 68-65 to lose in their first game in the West Coast Conference Tournament. And uh, obviously a disappointment, no other way to sugarcoat that, uh, but certainly not a poor effort from the Lions. It was just, uh, as it is often in the West Coast Conference, we talked about all year long how the teams are so evenly matched, and that is certainly the case in this tournament and evident in who's being represented right now in the, the semifinals. As we record this episode here on a Monday, the, the semifinal field is set. Uh, the championship will be on Tuesday night, likely when uh, when many of you will hear this podcast. But uh, Pepperdine, who beat LMU, is in the semifinals. They were able to take care of San Francisco rather easily the following night. And then San Diego was able to, to get a couple wins, also from the Thursday round of games of the seventh seed. They are in the semifinals, taking on uh, St. Mary's. But before we get to all that, Mentioned LMU with a tough loss. The final was 68-65, to and it was a game that the Lions played very well in for the most part. They shot 49% for the field, and that's actually a little bit lower than they shot for much of the game. They were over 50% for the majority of the ball game. They hit four three-pointers, and we know three-point shooting has been up and down for the Lions this season. Uh, they got to the free-throw line. They did miss six free-throws, so that was a factor. Uh, but they were very good for the most part in the ballgame. They built an 11-point lead with about 16 minutes to go in the second half and were up three with about three minutes to go. And uh, a Zafir Williams uh, basket in the paint with the 3.06 to go was their, their final points of the ballgame. They led by three at that moment. Uh, their defense was still great, as always. They only gave up six points in those final three minutes, but uh, Pepperdine, as mentioned, held Elmi scoreless in the final three minutes and ended on a 6 nothing run. And uh, just looking at the game and being there firsthand, the, the thing that stands out the most in the loss for LMU, which really came out of nowhere, they rebounded well much of the year, they rebounded well much of the night, but just really in the final two, three minutes of the ball game, 
Pepperdine was able to get some extra opportunities. They had eight offense rebounds for the ball game and ended up out-rebounding LMU by five overall uh, by a count of uh, 31 to 26 in the rebounding tally. Uh, And you look at the final real possession where Pepperdine was able to hit a three-pointer from Colby Ross, who uh, such a dynamic player, but the reason Ross got that opportunity was Pepperdine got two offensive rebounds to extend that possession, uh, a possession that started at the 138 mark and ended on the Ross three-pointer with 30.5 seconds to go. So they had the ball for over a minute's time, two different offensive rebounds leading to three shot opportunities, and finally Ross was able to cash in on a tough shot. Uh, you know, give him credit. As I said, the Lions played very tough and gritty defense, but uh, great offense often beats great defense, and that's what happened there with Colby Ross. And the three ball was also really the other big story of the night. We know LMU, as mentioned, hit four threes uh, of theirs. Pepperdine hit 10, and that certainly contrasts of styles. Pepperdine relies on that much more than LMU does. Uh, and the 10 three-pointers, it was, it was a three-point shooting game of streaks for Pepperdine. They came out at the gate. They hit six straight, six of six to start the ball game. To LMU's credit, they hung with them, shot it very well going inside in the paint, and never really let Pepperdine pull away despite coming out blazing from three-point range. They then went on to miss their next five, and then obviously hit uh, you know four of their next eight to close out the ball game. So 10 of 19 from three-point range, four of them coming from Colby Ross, who finished the game with a game-high 20 points, and uh, that three-point lead obviously put Pepperdine in front. LMU came back down. They were looking for a three, trying to get James Bateman open. Pepperdine really fronted him and made it tough, uh, deflected the ball away with 11.5 seconds to go. I mentioned the Lions got the ball with about 30 seconds to go. Um, now the Lions were able to re-inbound and actually got a, a fantastic look for, for Bateman. Both he and Quintana were working hard to get open, a couple of pump fakes, passing back and forth. And then finally, Bateman on a pump fake got uh, the big man for Pepperdine, Victor Ojea Obioha. Got him out of the way, and Bateman got a clean look. Maybe had to lean just a little bit to the side to make sure that Ohia Obioha was out of the way. But Bateman got a great look, and it was in and out. Uh, and just one of those shots that you certainly live with if you're LMU. Your your leader, your best player on the floor with a clean look to tie the ball game. It was that close to sending it to overtime, but unfortunately for the Lions, uh, it fell just a bit off the mark. So it ended uh, their WCC tournament run much earlier than they had hoped for and and as it shows kind of bittersweetly as we mentioned Pepperdine in the semifinal I'm sure LMU uh, as we heard talked about last week they were coming in on a hot streak they had just beaten San Francisco uh, a week prior to the WCC tournament so I'm sure they felt if they had gotten to that next round they would be the team in the semifinals right now but that's that's not how it played out and for the Lions it brings an end to the season uh, but with a caveat that this team LMU 20 wins, 11 losses, is almost certainly going to be eligible for some postseason tournament. Uh, you know, don't want to speculate too much which one it'll be. Right now, I would say the most likely could possibly be the CBI, but again, uh, not quite sure of that yet. But I do think, just from everything I've been hearing and knowing how well this team has played and that they, you know, want to send their their seniors in particular off on, on a better note than it ended in the West Coast Conference Tournament, I do believe we will see... LMU in a postseason capacity Uh, and you know hopefully you know whatever tournament it is if it is the CBI or CIT NIT whatever it ends up being um, we could potentially see them hosting a a home game in the postseason which would be really special as well you know last time we talked to James Bateman when they came away with that big time win on senior night 
he was emotional thinking about his last game at Gerson Pavilion. You know, there could be potentially another opportunity for him and the Lions to play back at home again where they were really successful this season, and uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. So while the West Coast Conference tournament didn't play out the way that they had liked, this has been still such a fun uh, and exciting season for the Lions, their best in, you know, seven-plus years, one of the best in the last 20, honestly. So despite a disappointing loss, this team still, as always, deserves your support and your love and uh you know they played their hearts out in vegas just came up a little bit on the short end but uh, as we said we'll keep our fingers crossed that that was not the last ball game of the year and not the last time we'll see james bateman jeffrey mcclendon and peter herman in an lmu lions uniform so tough loss for lmu but uh they will surely look to bounce back in what is hopefully a postseason capacity this season and we will say we're not done with this season quite yet so uh as mentioned lmu falls uh, the final four set in the West Coast Conference Tournament. The heavily favored number one team in the country, Gonzaga, will take on the eight-seed Pepperdine. And then the two-seed St. Mary's takes on the seven-seed San Diego. So two teams that went into Thursday night, had to play three nights in a row, uh, got it done. And San Diego on their side absolutely obliterated BYU. They led by 40 at one point in that ball game and ended up cruising to a dominant win over the Cougars. So that's why it's March Madness. Anything can happen in the tournament, and we've seen it here in the West Coast Conference Tournament. And we know it should be a fun finish to that West Coast Conference Tournament. Uh, obviously, keep in tune. Those games will be on the ESPN networks to see who advances and wins in the West Coast Conference Tournament, getting that automatic bid into the NCAAs. Uh, but as we mentioned, we have a really fun and exciting conversation with my friend and former LMU play-by-play man, Jeff Lampy, so I want to give that to you right now. My conversation with Jeff. I think you're really going to enjoy it here on the LMU Basketball Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm now joined on the LMU Basketball Podcast, my good friend and former LMU play-by-play announcer, Jeff Lampy. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, it's an honor and a pleasure, Jesse. Yeah, so Jeff, uh, we know each other through, through your time at LMU. You were there for 11 years. Uh, I was a student coming up and kind of learned under you, but... Um, going back to the beginning, how did you first start at LMU and, and get the position as play-by-play announcer? Well, I, it was uh, an interesting journey. So when I was a student, I was actually a radio broadcasting minor. I don't even know if that's still an option. It was uh, <laughs> through the communications department, and you could um, pick and choose certain courses so you could get that, that radio broadcasting minor. Uh, and so I met some, some great people. Um, the late Dr. Suzanne France, as well as uh, a gentleman named Mike Daniels, who had come over to LMU, uh, had worked a number of years at CBS as a news director, so for CBS television. Yeah. And he was brought in as a consultant for KXLU. And so in 2001, um, I got a call from Mike because I had, as a uh, graduate, as an alumnus, I was helping Mike kind of coach and mentor some of the kids that wanted. Uh, a career in radio and uh, broadcast journalism. So we had this uh, this weekly uh, news segment on KXLU, yeah. and I did sports, and I was helping to coach some of the kids that wanted to uh, do sports radio uh, as part of a news radio format. And so in 2001, as I mentioned, the school decided, hey, we want to hire somebody that uh, could be a permanent play-by-play because at the time it was students would come in usually juniors and seniors you'd have somebody uh, do the broadcasting for a couple years and then graduate and move on you'd have somebody else and so um, thanks to Mike he put in a good word uh, for me with the athletic department 
got an interview with our good friend John Schaefer, um, and the rest is history. So it was I was blessed enough to get that opportunity in, in 2001 and uh, continue it through the 2011 season. Yeah, and it shows just how, how small a world it is. I had uh, Mike Daniels in the, that broadcast news class yep. when I was an undergrad at LMU. So just shows a good guy. A good guy. <laughs> Someone yeah. we, we both owe uh, a bit of credit to as well. Yeah, no question about it. And uh, what was it like when you first started uh, as a broadcaster? Because you know you get thrown in, you're traveling with the team. <laughs> it's just uh, yeah, it's a, it's another level. So what was it like when it, you first began? At well, it, it's really funny. I was uh, fortunate that it was radio and not <laughs> TV because I'll tell you why. The speed of the game yeah. was not something that I was used to. And I you know, I worked with John. Uh, I, I put in a lot of hours practicing, but that that first game. I remember we were on the road. It was uh, Guardians of the Game Classic. It was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. So the so right, right on the road, right, right on the yeah. road immediately. First, uh, first game, uh, first regular season game. And I remember trying to keep up with the speed to where. Um, you know, the play was going back the other way, and I was still trying to explain what just happened. And so I was fortunate that hopefully, with the exception of when, you know, the, the, the cheering of the crowd and my commentary didn't really match up, that, you know, it was radio, and I slowly but surely uh, got used to the, the speed of the game. So it certainly made me appreciate some of the greats, like, uh, you know, the, the Chick Hearns and the Ralph Lawlers of the world, about yeah. how they make it seem so so effortless. And so I realized... All that work I put into it, I need to put in a little bit more to, to polish my game and, and keep up with uh, the fast pace of Division One hoops. Yeah, and what made you want to be a broadcaster just to start with? You know what? It goes back to when I was a kid growing up, and again, this is where I think we were very blessed and fortunate in L.A. to have, in my opinion, through the best broadcasters of all time. Of course, uh, uh, I'm a longtime Dodger fan, so Vin Scully and having a chance to uh, to, to meet Vin um, at a young age really made an impact uh, on my life. And, and I said, hey, you know what, if I ever had a chance to, <laughs> to, to try my hand at what he does, it would uh, it'd be something that would mean a lot to me. Uh, and then Chick Hearn and, uh, and someone who I don't think gets a lot of, a lot of credit was, uh, was Bob Miller at the LA Kings. I yeah. think that you know, listening to all years there, over yeah. 40 years, um, obviously, you know, we think LA sportscasters, I think, you know, Vin and Chick understandably come to mind, but I also want to give a shout out to Bob Miller because he's definitely at the, the top of, you know, he was at the top of his craft, uh, Colin King's game. So um, it's funny, as a, as a kid uh, at home, I think I annoyed my parents. I would mute the TV <laughs> and try my hand at uh, giving my own play-by-play and again understanding that, hey, it, uh, you know, these guys make it look easy. It's not yeah. as easy as it sounds, <laughs> but um, at that point I said, yeah, you know what, if, if I ever had a chance to, to get a chance to do this, uh, I love sports. Uh, if you saw my jump shot, you know why I'm <laughs> destined for uh, only being behind the mic and not uh, out on the court. Uh, I, that, that's what inspired me and then when I had the chance uh, in 2001 to to join the the Lions broadcast team, it, it was really a dream come true. Yeah, no, no, Elmi was, was so lucky to have you, and uh, you know we're obviously we're recording this right now in Las Vegas at the West Coast Conference tournament. Um, didn't turn out exactly how the Lions wanted. They had a, a disappointing, heartbreaking loss to Pepperdine. How much have you been able to follow uh, this year's current team and just how they've done this year? No, I, I tell you, with uh, the beauty of social media and, and the web, getting a, a chance to, to follow your broadcast, and then as far as television, uh, I now live in, in the, the Rocky Mountain region, yeah. uh, south of Denver, 
Colorado, uh, in a city called Parker, Colorado, but thanks to um, the uh, the local cable networks picking up the AT&T Sportsnet feed, I've gotten to to follow a number of games. Obviously, I w at the beginning of the year I was thrilled with that Jamaica <laughs> uh, the win over Georgetown and, and LMU winning that tournament. I couldn't wait to text you to say, "Oh, this is uh, this is fantastic!" And then obviously some some big wins, um, you know, against uh, against Boise State, and then uh, you know in some. Uh, some thrilling wins down the stretch as well in uh, in conference play. So uh, I've been able to to keep tabs, uh, not as closely as, as you getting to see them every day. Uh, but you know, I, I give Coach Dunlap a lot of credit. I yeah. think that you know he slowly built this program uh, back to to where it's by all means heading in the right direction. Obviously, didn't want to see this early of an exit, but uh, with the beauty of there being multiple postseason tournaments. Uh, in all likelihood, you know, we we're, you and I are holding out hope that yeah. the Lions will be in, in some type of postseason, and, and you never know. The, the great thing about the West Coast Conference is they've got a history of going deep into some of these these tournaments. You think of Santa Clara and San Francisco in, in recent years. Uh, Santa Clara winning the CBI and the uh, CIT uh, several years ago, and last year USF making it to the finals of the CBI. Yeah. So you know what? There's no reason why LMU can't uh, follow suit wherever their postseason may lie. Absolutely. They certainly, you know, 20 wins is something that should get them into a postseason tournament. So hopefully they get there and that happens. And ironically enough, the, the last time the Lions were in postseason was, was your final year as play-by-play. -play. I was able to do a couple games, a lot of home games with you for color commentary and then, uh, you know, travel for those final games in, in, in the CIT tournament. Uh, with you as well, but what do you remember from from that year in that postseason, uh, oh, the last year before this one that that LMU had over yeah. twenty wins? No, and that's great. But I want to make a comment again to to give uh, Coach Dunlap uh, again some props about. I know it'd been a long time since the Lions won twenty games before the conference tournament, but if you yeah. have to go all the way back to the nineteen eighty nine ninety team that you know that uh, that made that run to to the Elite Eight with with Bo Kimball and. Uh, and Jeff Fryer and everybody in, in honor of uh, the late Hank Gather. So, so really it shows you what, um, what, what Coach is accomplishing here. It's, it's really um, you know, noteworthy, and, I, and the, the common fan may not recognize it, so I wanted to, to at least uh, call that out. But back to your, yeah, your question absolutely. about uh, that last season. So um, in the regular season, obviously some, some thrilling wins. Uh, I believe the last time that the, the Lions beat the mighty Gonzaga Bulldogs. Yeah. It was at home, and uh, you and I were joking about it. <laughs> about how the fans were storming the court, and we were worried about the the radio equipment. Uh, John Shaver just invested in upgrading, uh, you know, thousands of dollars in equipment. I get it. Hey, fans are excited. If I was a fan, I'd want to rush the court. But I remember trying to call the game and and jumping over our table, jumping over our shoulders, yeah. us in the back of the head, trying to be coherent and put two sentences together while uh, they're storming the court. So that was something. That was uh, was memorable, and then um, yeah, I remember your call of saying, "Put your helmet on, Jesse," because they were literally, as you said, climbing on top of us to get to get onto the court. As uh, as a broadcaster, you know those are those are few and far between. Yeah. You, you relish it despite uh, all of the mayhem and the uh, and the chaos. So it's definitely you know one of the one of the best memories I have in the in the entire eleven years uh, was uh, was that win against the the Zags at home. But um, but then you know when you and I were catching up last night um 
a lot of people forget that you know the Lions uh, in, in a few games after that you had a thrilling win against uh, the Portland Pilots again at the time you know people think about the Pilots maybe in, in terms of, of recent history and uh, you know they haven't been near the, the the top of the league standings but under coach Reveno they were you know a formidable opponent uh, yeah. uh, that year you know six six plus uh, years ago and so um, the Lions able to you know, come from behind win there, but uh, the ultimate come from behind win that year in the regular <laughs> season was what they did against San Francisco, racing a 20-point second-half deficit, 60 points in yeah. uh, the second the second unreal, half, yeah. the second stanza, <laughs> unreal, yeah, really, uh, um, you know, one, one of the most thrilling come from behind wins, I think, that uh, you and I have had a chance to call, or that I ever had a chance to call in my 11 years. Yeah, that was something really spectacular, like you said, they were, I believe they were down... 20 at one point yeah. early in that game and had just 30 points at the half and then to explode for 60, 60 yeah over 90 of, points or yeah. break, you know, break the 90 point win by a couple of couple of points against San Francisco I don't remember the exact final tally but uh, uh, but yeah that was something to <laughs> you don't see every day certainly but yeah. uh, but you talked about the uh, the postseason run so um, yeah it was what, what I remember about that CIT was. Um, it was great not to call just one victory, but to actually get to call two victories for the Lions in the in the postseason. Again, it was the first time since that eighty nine ninety team that they had won uh, multiple games in a uh, in a postseason. And um, yeah, that second round game at home, uh, the overtime thrill against Weber State. Uh, the great Damian Lillard. A lot of people, you know, know him from his his NBA fame. Uh, you know, getting a chance to to see him in action, his last collegiate game before yeah. you know he turned pro. But uh, seeing uh, you know Lions great Drew Vining kind of outplay him in that overtime. At least mm-hmm. you know Drew hit a big three in the uh, the final minute of overtime, helping to propel the Lions to to a victory and, and into the quarterfinals of the CIT. So um, a memorable game, and and that would turn out to be. You know the the last Lions win that you and I got to call yeah. uh, as a as a tandem. So definitely uh, one of the more memorable ones for me. And you mentioned seeing Damian Lillard, uh, you know, just broadcasting for as long as you did. First, which opponents do you remember as far as some of the best players you saw? And then there are so many Lions we can get to, but before them, yeah, just some of the the players that Elmi went against that you remember or recognize calling for. Yeah, yeah you know, I I think that uh, uh, obviously. A lot of Gonzaga lot of Bulldogs, players, yeah. Gonzaga players come to mind, like uh, you know Kelly Olynyk, and um, you know as much you love them or you hate them, Adam Morrison. Yeah. Uh, some of those guys come to mind. But what's what's interesting is uh, also seeing some of the the great coaches because I think back to my second year, we got a chance to go to the Great Alaska Shootout, and that was when. Um, you know the, the the Great Alaska Shootout maybe doesn't attract as many marquee teams now. There, there are a number of reasons for that, and it's it's, it's a shame because that between that and the uh, you know hoops aficionados will know that um, in you know back in the day it used to be the two major uh, tournaments in November you wanted to go to were either the Maui Classic or the Great Alaska Shootout. So yeah. my second year um, we got to go to the uh, the Great Alaska Shootout, and Michigan State was there, so I got to meet. Uh, you know Tom Izzo, uh, Oklahoma State was there, so the great Eddie Sutton. Mm-hmm. But there was a coach from Villanova in his first year named Jay Wright. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, it was his very very first year. Um, you know he kind of burst onto onto the scene. It was interesting to hear in the uh, in the uh, pre 
tournament banquet, kind of his, his story. Uh, I think he had just joined Villanova from from Hofstra, uh, but you know, to see this this guy that was you know little known and taking over a Villanova program that had fallen on on hard times, and then to lead them now to you know a couple of national championships. So so it's interesting to get to see. Uh, some of these coaches, yeah. uh, you know, rise through the ranks as well. But yeah, in, in terms of, you know, some of the, um, you know, some of the uh, uh, the great players, uh, got a lot of bulldogs. I, I think, uh, you know, the tail end of my broadcasting career was great to see Damian Lillard. Um, Nate Robinson of Washington oh, yeah. is another one. Yeah. Uh, we got a, a home and home series with him. Head coach Steve Aggers last year, uh, we had Washington at home. It was a, a matinee game, I think, on, on a Sunday. And we took Nate and the Huskies right down to the wire before they, they finally prevailed. So, again, uh, much as uh, I'm sure you've experienced as a broadcaster, it's, it's exciting to see some of these, uh, these players, some of these opponents. Um, you get to call their games at the collegiate level and then see them go on to do great things um, at, in the professional ranks. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, we mentioned, you know, obviously the great opposing players. Who stands out for you as the Lions that you called? You know, in, in my tenure, you know, James Bateman obviously is just sure. wrapping up his career. Absolutely. You know, Autumn Jacko. I had the chance to overlap with some of you. You know, Anthony Ireland is obviously one that's yeah. a huge name. And Drew Viney. So, so many guys don't want to leave people out. But, you know, those guys immediately come to mind. Who for you stands out in your tenure? Well, you know, I'll go back to, you know, some of the names that uh, because the, the, the team's uh, didn't have as much success as uh, we talked about that Drew Viney and uh, Anthony Ireland led teams uh, in um, you know, my final year and then, then your first year yeah. really having some uh, exciting moments with uh, with Anthony. But my first year, there's a player named Greg Lakey uh, who, um, again, really did it all for, uh, for the Lions' uh, presence inside. Uh, rebounder score, but just you know carried himself really really tried to make the the team around him uh, better. He I mean he was you know my first couple of years someone that I thought hey you know what he he probably doesn't get as much credit um, uh, as he uh, certainly as he deserves. Um, I, I think about of course Brandon Worthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know what he meant to the program. You talk about grit and determination in that uh, you know leave it all on the on the court i mean such a fierce competitor uh you know i'll, I'll never forget <laughs> you know his his toughness we were at uh in the uh 0506 season we played at a tournament in uh, in hawaii so the only time i got to go to hawaii yeah. and at the end of the first half uh brandon got elbowed in the nose fell onto our table blood dripping from his nose onto our uh, onto my game notes, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and I'm trying to call the game while I'm saying I should stop talking. I should say, "Hey, Brandon, are you okay? Can I get you a towel or something?" Of course, uh, Keith Ellison, the trainer, came over and attended to him, and I and I was thinking, "Well, we, we're done seeing seeing Brandon." And, and then next thing you know, he emerges from the locker room with that that plastic mask on, <laughs> and uh, you know some tissue or something in, in you know in the, the nostrils to, to stop the bleeding but I think it's just emblematic of of his toughness and in so many times he put put the team on his back yeah, to really propel did. them to, to victory I'll remember you know, we're talking about the great Alaska shootout um you know his heroics in a double OT win for the Lions against of all teams Pacific yeah. in, this, in the second round that propelled LMU to the championship game where they finally fell to, to Cal. We're, we're just one win shy of having their uh, an LMU banner hanging in the rafters of, 
of Sullivan Arena. But um, Brandon Worthy, definitely. Matt Knight, too, uh, yeah. from one of the Aussies. Uh, Matt Knight and Damian Martin, I think, are, are two uh, that come to mind. Um, you know, Matt wasn't someone that, you know, people thought of much as a freshman to see him evolve. And then what, what he did uh, in terms of scoring and rebounding, it was it was great to see you know, his career really blossomed with, with LMU. And, um, you know, one of the things I'm sure that is exciting for you as a broadcaster as well is you never know who you're connecting with mm-hmm. out there. And to hear uh, when his parents would come from Australia, they would make it to the States a couple of times to come see him play live. But his mom was a school teacher, and she would tell me, uh, because, you know, our games were at night, and with Australia being so many hours ahead, of the Pacific time zone that she would turn on our broadcast over the web. Uh, it'd be afternoon for his uh, her her school kids, and they would uh, she would let them listen to some of our broadcasts. Oh, wow. So she could listen to, to Matt and, <laughs> and the Lions. So it was um, it was an honor to hear that. You know, hey, we had some young kids that in Australia that were uh, were budding Lion fans as well. But again, and I wouldn't be remiss. I don't want to belabor this uh, question too long for you. But the um, yeah, Anthony Ireland, Drew Viney. Uh, again, what what they meant to uh, to the Lions can't be uh, cannot be overstated. I mean, I think about um, what they did to help propel that team to the quarterfinals of the CIT, a 21 win season, um, and then what they did in your first year at this <laughs> tournament, winning three games in three days, the fourth game in four days against uh, uh, Gonzaga, actually having the lead at the half. I mean, just emblematic of. You know, these guys, you know, Anthony Ireland, a true competitor. I mentioned Brandon Worthy. You could say the same thing. I was going to say, there, there's a lot of similarities between those two. And f- funnily enough, the in the Great Alaska Shootout, in that first year that I took over for you, Anthony Ireland had a tooth basically knocked out or chipped in his in that <laughs> yeah. same tournament. Yeah. Ended up getting blood on his jersey, not on my notes, yeah. but ended up staying in the game. He changed into, I believe it was a number 20 jersey, just an alternate jersey they had. And you know, carried the team like Brandon would do so much. Uh, just very similar, tough players. And I think also once in the West Coast Conference Tournament, found out later on he played one of those big games mm-hmm. with a torn meniscus. So Unbelievable. Just someone who just refused to go off the court and wanted to help his team. Well, you know, when you take a look at some of these these players where their heroics really transcend basketball, you talk about life lessons, about yeah. not giving up, about perseverance, about, you know, when most people would quit. Well, I would yeah. say, hey, you know what? I'm going to somehow find the will and the way uh, to to persevere. What a great lesson to you know the next generation uh, of Lion Stars. But what a great lesson to to fans and anyone out there you know that that's listening or or a fan of college basketball about you know these are lessons that you can take well beyond the basketball court to say, hey, when things get get tough, you know your true metal is shown when uh, uh, you know how you rise to the occasion. And he was definitely uh, uh, someone that was emblematic of that to say the least no question about it and uh as we move forward we know that you you obviously announced for 11 years so a lot of memories uh you might have been i don't want to categorize it as the (laughs) the most heartbreaking but maybe the most heartbreaking moment not only in lmu history but in college basketball history the end of the 2006 west coast conference tournament uh, against gonzaga that's when the tournament uh before we had this vegas format it was actually hosted that year mm-hmm. by Gonzaga. So basically a road game for the Lions against Gonzaga with a chance to win and then missed layup uh, point blank at the buzzer to, that would have sent the Lions to the NCAA tournament. Just your overall experience of that, the highs and lows. <laughs> what, what was it yeah. like for you in that whole experience? Well, yeah, that was by far, I don't think you'd have to categorize in terms of 
um, heartbreaking lo- losses that stick with you for <laughs> weeks and months and, and not years. Just, and yeah. years. Uh, what I remember most about that that game, so um, I'll go back to it was that same year, that same tournament in um, in Hawaii where Brandon broke his nose yeah. and stuff. We ended up losing all three games. We were on, yeah, this was near the end. This is late December, so we're just on the verge of, of uh, you know, starting conference play. And, um, you know, the, the team was really reeling. And I remember one of their, the senior guards, Wes Wardrop, you know, came to coach and said, you know what, I'm going to get my mojo back. This team's going to get the, our mojo back. You, you watch, it's going to be different come conference play. Yeah. Obviously easier said than done. Um but lo and behold, we go and win five of the first six yeah. conference games. They go on a run. The Lions, even though they stumbled in their final regular season games, we got the number two seed. Yeah. And so it's the same format that we have now. We got that bye to the semis. You only need one win. Uh, we survived uh, St. Mary's in the in the semis. And so, you know, we got to that Gonzaga, the game against the Zags on their home court. Nobody. Nobody even gave us a chance to even be in it. I want to say we were close to being double-digit underdogs. Wow. And I think that we were realistic that, hey, you know what? It's the proverbial. It's not Vegas. We were playing with house money. Yeah. So you come in and, boy, right out of the gate, you talk about you know competitors. Brandon Worthy uh, just asserted himself. And slowly but surely, you know, we, we, we built... Uh, we built a double-digit lead, and you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, yeah. you're, you're thinking that, wow, could this could this be it? But yeah. the real turning point in the game, and um, you know, we've Brandon for all his accolades. I'm sure if he were sitting right here, he would say if the one thing he would want to have back from that game was um, right about the midway point of the second half. He had three personal fouls. Derek Rivio was bringing the ball up the floor in the backcourt. Brandon went for the steal and got called for his fourth foul. Mm-hmm. And even, um, you know, the, we, we said on the air, we said, mark it down yeah. <laughs> what the score was when Brandon departs yeah. and when it is when, when he comes back because he had completely outplayed, you know, the our backcourt and completely outplayed uh, Gonzaga. Uh, we, they, were, they were so one, one-dimensional. We had Morrison at, launching up. Shots that were were low percentage. We had the Zags completely out of sync. But then slowly but surely, Gonzaga, you know, chips away, chips away. They ultimately take the lead. Rodney Tension brings Brandon back in in the game. I, I think it was at the under four media timeout. So it was a big expanse of, yeah. of time. And so the Zags got back into the game. But um, with uh, under ten seconds to play, JP Batista. Or JP Batista, JP uh, yeah, Batista, yeah. Batista, okay. Yeah. Um, of the Zags was at the line, so they the, the Bulldogs were up one. Gonzaga was up one at the line for a one and one, and he misses the front end. Matt Knight gets the rebound. <laughs> we get it to the front court. Uh, Want to say about five seconds to play. Call timeout, and I was like, "Hey, what more could you want? You're yeah. down one." You've got the uh, you know one chance to win it and go to the NCAA tournament. And yeah. all I remember is uh, Brandon Worthy getting trapped in the right corner. And I was thinking to myself, I'm watching the time tick away. You know, four seconds, three seconds. I was like, he's not even going to get a shot off. And yeah. somehow he pivoted with you know without without traveling, found a cutting Chris Air and. 
Chris, God, God bless him. I think uh, Earl Knight, one of the great you know defenders of the the in the WCC that year. If memory serves, he might have even been the the defensive player of the year. I, I think from behind, he he might have seen him coming in for a block, tried to Just alter the shot, bit, didn't yeah. rushed it, didn't dunk it, and oh yeah, just I just remember seeing. You know Matt Knight seated on the floor, and it just that glaze deer in the headlights looked like I can't believe this just happened. Um, <laughs> tears were flowing yeah, you know, I, from I a lot imagine, of yeah. a lot of players, and and even um, poor Chris was just in, inconsolable. Yeah, you know, that back at the hotel, we're trying to tell him. I I said, you know, you win as a team, you lose as a team, and it's while people will will remember that. Um, you know, it's certainly not something that you, you can pin on him. You look at, you know, we had opportunities to continue to extend the lead. You know, in a one-point loss, you think about those missed free throws yeah. and opportunities where, you know, we could have been, we could have gotten that rebound on the missed Batista free throw and been up one instead of down one if we had just made a couple of more free throws. But yeah, that that was tough. And and you know what, Chris Ayers credit, hey, he went on to have, he went on to play professionally in Japan. Um, you know, he, he, he put it by, behind him, went on to, you know, use that to propel him to try and motivate him to, to be well, to, to have a, uh, a solid career uh, internationally playing basketball. But yeah, that one still, still sticks, still stings, sticks, yeah. still stinks, especially because of, you know, the, the guys really left it all on, on the court. They deserved a better fate and uh, it just was not meant to. Meant to be, but yeah. I still have I still have that recording. Sometimes I'll listen to parts of that um, that game earlier on when we were up uh, we were up big. But yeah, that's it's tough for me to listen to the final. <laughs> yeah, I can the imagine. Final seconds. I do remember, as you said, we both know John Schaefer well. Him telling me and you saying that as well. Kind of the pass from Brandon Worthy was such an amazing pass, just because the fact that he said he was trapped and yeah. uh, just made the play all the tougher. That from out of that trap, you're able to find a wide open player and. Said, just Chris the, did the right thing. He yeah. filled the paint, got the pass. I don't know how Brandon got him the, the pass, but uh, yeah, it's just it, it's funny how that that razor thin line between you know ultimate hero, you know to you know agonizing de- defeat. You yeah. think about you know the fortunes of uh, Matt Knight. Would, would Matt Knight and Brandon Worthy and Chris Air and, and head coach Rodney Tension be yeah. be more household names than than they are? today with with all of that and um, you know you just you wonder what what might have been history could be very different could could be very different but again it doesn't take away from the fact that that team I'll go back to what West Wardrop said they got their mojo back somehow they they found a way to to turn the ship around and, and really had a memorable conference season and a memorable right up until that heartbreaking miss layup you know quite a memorable postseason run in, in the WCC tournament. Yeah, no no doubt about it. And and Jeff, as a broadcaster, I feel like we all have stuff that we will either say a lot, if it's not catchphrases, just stuff that we <laughs> like to repeat. I know you had a had a few, uh, you know, homemade stuffing on dunks and, uh, you know, dialing <laughs> yes. long distance and, you know, the soap bubble on some floaters. Uh, How did you come up with those? Um, and, and, yeah, just your your process and kind of building your, your vocabulary as, well, as a broadcaster. You know, it's it, it's funny you, you, you mentioned some of that. Obviously, you never want to uh, um, 
copy. You want to be your own, exactly, uh, yeah. have your own catchphrase. I think it's unspoken rule in broadcasting. You know, you, you never want to take someone else's catchphrase and then, you know, pawn it off as, as your own. So, um, you know, I just, it, it, just in listening to people, it, it's funny, like the whole uh, soap bubble thing. Um, <laughs> I remember it was actually watching a, uh, a Dodger game and I remember uh, Vin Scully saying, hey, that curveball dropped in there like a soap bubble. And yeah. I thought, oh, hey, maybe that's an analogy just I could take. Off, yeah. The light went off. And again, not trying to, his analogy was in baseball. I would never use that analogy because he's claimed that uh, yeah. in a phrase in baseball. But I thought, oh, maybe that's something I could um, could, could uh, uh, leverage in some of our broadcasts. But I think it's just, yeah. <laughs> I just think about, uh, you know, what, what images come to mind like uh you know when people say gosh it's raining threes and i think hey if it's raining that much maybe we should grab an umbrella or something <laughs> exactly. so i just try to uh, <laughs> take something that's part of the vernacular and uh and maybe think about a way to uh put a different spin on it or yeah. something but that's you know much like uh much like you do you want to try to come up with Hey, something that that sounds unique to us that does yeah. you don't want to come up with a phrase that's like, boy, I I could never see you know Jeff saying that in yeah. in, in real life, but it uh, um, you it's want it, you want it to feel organic. You want to feel organic, exactly, either, yeah. exactly, exactly. And you definitely don't want to overplay it either yeah. because uh, then you, you know you you wear out your your welcome. You don't <laughs> want people to get annoyed by hearing it over and over again. But, yeah. Uh, no, I definitely know. I, I feel like I don't have many, but I do have the, the Travian one. Absolutely. Which, uh, which one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, which the, the coaching staff likes to rib me about. But uh, it's, yeah, like you said, it's, I guess, in the vernacular yeah. now. So it's something that, uh, you know. What well, makes you, you unique? It's your unique brand on, yeah. on your broadcast. And again, I think it's drawing that line between, you know, you, you want to incorporate it because I think the listeners uh, actually look forward to it. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. And then it's, but, you know, using it to where, you don't want them to to get tired of, of hearing it, so I, I think it's it's exciting for fans. Like I, again, I'll go back to um, some of the great broadcasters I listened to. Who didn't want to hope to hear Chick say the game's in the refrigerator at the yeah, end of exactly, the game? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you knew that. Um, Hey, a Laker victory was was in hand, yeah. <laughs> and so everyone looked forward to. Well, when's Chick going to put it in the refrigerator? When is the Jello jiggling? Exactly, and the butter, <laughs> the eggs cooling, the butter getting hard. Yeah. And, Exactly. So you want it to be something that the fans look forward to. And I think if you don't, you know, you, you make it your own, you, you don't overplay it, then I think that's all part of what makes uh, uh, a broadcast unique and something that is, is entertaining for the fans and, and really makes that, that personal connection between between you and, and the listener. Yeah. And, and we talked about, obviously, one of the, the tougher moments with the, the Gonzaga conference, conference final, but... Uh, what are some of your favorite moments, whether it be one of your own calls or just one of the victories that you were at sure. um, for your time at LMU? Well, I think, uh, you know, we talked about that 2011 conference season about the wins against Gonzaga and then the, uh, the postseason CIT. Uh, you know, one of the a couple memorable <laughs> moments, and I don't, I don't want to belabor uh, too long. So there, there, there are two memories uh, you know, that, that come to mind. You know, one of them... Uh, it, it's more of uh, just funny anecdotes about about what happened, but behind the the scenes more than than anything else. But you know, a lot of people would come up to me and say, "Wow, you know, as a broadcaster, you get to go to Hawaii and Alaska. That's great." And I yeah. said, "Well, the truth is, when you broadcast for a mid major, um, you know, this could be be, be true for um, you know for most sports though. But the, for every one of those 
high profile trips. You got about nine trips to some small out of the way places. Yeah. And so, um, you know, one year in uh, in the Coach Aggers era, we had uh, we were, we were selected to play at the Mohegan Sun Classic, which was uh, Central Connecticut State's tournament. So, yeah. anyone who doesn't know much about Central Connecticut State and where they're located. They're located in Berlin, Connecticut. Uh, we had to fly on Thanksgiving and our flight was delayed uh, getting into Hartford. By the time we got to the hotel, uh, the hotel that they put the teams up in did not have room service. There was one restaurant uh, in the vicinity and they were closed because it was Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. And so here we've got, you know, 20 starving uh, coaches, media members, and players <laughs> looking for Thanksgiving dinner on yeah. Thanksgiving Day. And the only open, uh, you can't even call it a restaurant, but the only location that was open that we could find was a 7-Eleven. <laughs> and so we were, we were grabbing the, the, the turkey Lunchables and anything we could find <laughs> with, with turkey in it. And so, yeah, that was our, our Thanksgiving uh, dinner. But um, it was all worthwhile because we ended up winning the tournament beat Central Connecticut State in the final. Again, wasn't uh, it, it wasn't like we were winning the Maui Classic or yeah. the uh, uh, Great Alaska Shootout, but hey, a tournament win is a tournament win. But the, the funny part was, even though it was kind of a smaller tournament, the trophy was like four feet tall. <laughs> uh, and, I, I mean, for those of you that, that are listening, I'm trying to extend my hands. It probably came... Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it almost felt like it came up to my shoulders. Yeah. And so, and I'm not that that tall. I'm five eleven, but uh, uh, so we couldn't. We we were trying to get the trophy home, couldn't get it through the X-ray machine. So it had to go through its own special security and the uh, I guess the, the the wand that the person yeah. that the, the TSA agent waves to to make sure there you know there there isn't a, any metal that's in the trophy that's not supposed to be there. And then we couldn't fit the trophy in the overhead bin. So we had to, um, so we were all riding in coach and there was an open seat in first class. I forget what airline we were flying. It might've been United. And uh, um, so there it was strapped into a seat in first class. <laughs> I'm sure it enjoyed some nice drinks and yeah. a nice, uh, you know, hand towel and, 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 a, and a delicious meal. But uh, that was one, one funny moment from, uh, uh, you know, a, a postseason tournament where, where we emerged victorious. But in terms of all time wins, one of the others that, uh, comes to mind is, of course, our trip to Notre Dame. And that had special meaning for me and my family um, because my dad's a longtime Notre Dame football fan. And so when we found out we were playing at Notre Dame, it was December, uh, a couple weeks before Christmas, uh, we decided to surprise my dad um, and say, hey, we're going to take you on the road trip with the team. Yeah. So my mom, my dad, my wife, uh, my son was only... 13 months old at uh, 15 months old at the time so we flew with the team uh, you know got to hang out in, in South Bend went to uh, at the time across the from where we were staying was the college football Hall of Fame and so we really made it a big trip and then you know we were no one gave us much of a chance against uh, Mike Frey and the mighty uh, fighting Irish but um, you know my my parents and some of the fans that made the trip had had seats right behind the uh, the LMU bench and uh, and lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, the Lions found a way. Uh, J.D. Dubois hitting a big three-pointer. The Lions were down two. We had uh, forced a five-second call, a turnover. We had a chance to steal it in the closing seconds. And uh, 
unlike what we were talking about with the the end of that 2006 West Coast Conference tournament, this time this, the team rose to the occasion. I was thinking uh, at the time, wow, JD, we only need a two to tie. What, yeah. and you're gonna you're gonna go, by, whoa! And then lo and behold, I think <laughs> uh, uh, if you dig up that um, that call, I'm uh, <laughs> ashamed to say I think my voice cracked. I was so <laughs> so excited, but no, that was uh, tremendous. That um, you know, they we pulled out. Uh, the one point victory over the Fighting Irish. I remember the the coaching staff turning to my parents and saying, "Is uh, they had, uh, um, you know, they they had said, hey, well, we're going to come to some of the conference games and said, hey, if, if we're going to, you're on a winning streak now. We want to yeah. see you at, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, see you at Gersten Pavilion for all of the the regular season games. So it was exciting to uh, to obviously beat a high profile team like Notre Dame in thrilling fashion, but then to have my uh, my parents and my son and uh, and wife there uh, as well. It made it uh, made it extra special special for me. Yeah, no, that's that's a really amazing game that was there. I remember being uh, in the studio as a student at that point and working that game uh, and just listening to your call and how thrilling and exciting <laughs> it was. It was really a one of the great moments. And we had we had JD Dubois on on our very first episode and uh, asked him about that moment and he obviously remembers that well. So yeah, such such a great win there, Jeff. Before we I don't want to keep you too long before we let you go. Um, you know that you worked for four different coaching staffs in your time at LMU. How was that for you as a broadcaster, just navigating, uh, you know, meeting new people and, sure. and, you know, having to interview different coaches and just yeah. how you went about that traveling with it with a bunch of different well, staffs? Well, you know, and that's one thing as a broadcaster. You know, as a sports fan, Jesse, coaching changes are nothing new. Yeah. Um, you know, you see coaches come and go. But, but what made this different was that, you, know, you get to know these coaches, you get to know their families, and you know the first time that, because uh, I, I was hired when Coach Steve Aggers was there, got to know Steve and his wife Frankie, and such a wonderful family, and it was, it was devastating yeah. when, when a, coach is, a coach moves on. And it's, uh, again, I think when you're just a sports fan of a professional team and there's a coaching change, you don't have that personal connection with the coach, and so you just think, hey, Hey, feel feel bad for them. I'm sure they'll they'll do well. But you know, when it happens um, as a broadcaster, you know, it's um, you, you really feel for uh, uh, for the coach, and and it's it, it's it, it, it's a tough time until yeah. you, you get the um, you get to know the the new coaching staff and uh, uh, the the new. Uh, you know, assistant coaches that come on board as well. But you know, I had the the chance of uh, you know working with four great coaches, each one unique in their own personality. Uh, you know, each one, as I'm sure you you, find, you have found out as well, uh, likes their own style of how they want you to do the pregame interview. Yeah. You know, when they want to, you know, knowing when is a good time to, yeah. to talk to them. When's not a good time yeah. uh, to talk to them. But you know, I felt very blessed. They were always accommodating, always. Um, you know whether it was uh, you know Coach Aggers or uh, you know Coach Tension um, or uh, you know Max Good. We had uh, Coach Bino for for a short time, so I you know had had a chance to interview him, but didn't didn't get to know him as as well because of a short uh, short tenure. But um, you know just getting to see uh, you know the the behind the scenes of that, <laughs> how some of these like Max Good 
God bless him. Funniest, one of the funniest guys yeah. you'll, you'll ever meet. You get to see a side of these coaches that maybe the typical fan doesn't get to see. Down to earth, personable. Um, again, and it's it's such an honor and a pleasure to to get to know them and, and their families. And, and you really feel like an extension of their their family over the years that you get to to work with with them. But yeah, uh, e- each one of them in their own ways, you know, unique in the way that they would savor a win. The way that would process a loss, yeah. you know, and, and um, knowing that that striking that right balance of, um, you know, it, how how and when to to approach and have a dialogue with them both before and, and after games was something that uh, uh, each coach was different, but you know, it, it's what made them unique. Yeah, and, and you know, I've worked with uh, with two coaching staffs with Max Good as one, and now mm-hmm. Mike Dunlap for the past five years as well, and as he said, both. Uh, and I think a testament to the university with, you know, everyone that you mentioned was, was so pleasant to deal with. And the same thing with both Max and Mike, just such great guys and also, of course, great coaches. But, uh, you know, a testament to the university that, that that has been the case for so long. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jeff, uh, you know, looking at you mentioned getting some some words from fans who, you know, like Matthew Knight's family, uh, you know, across to another country. Uh, I know you used to shout out some fans on the radio, but <laughs> yeah. but just from from your time, I know that I've had people come up to me and tell me how much they listen, how much they appreciate it. Just your interactions with some of the LMU community uh, over the years uh, in your time. Yeah, I was so humbled and honored. I you know I I, I can't thank folks enough. I mean, between yourself, John Schaefer, uh, Manny, uh, I just think about my last year and you know the just the the kind words and the the gracious comments that everybody had to say i was so humbled and honored to um you know to to get a chance that first of all that that people would <laughs> take time to tune in and to listen you yeah. know it's uh, you never know who's listening out there and that someone would take the time to reach out and say hey you know i i, li- I tune in i listen you know thanks for doing what you do. i mean it means it means the world and i was so humbled and honored to uh, Anytime somebody would would do that, uh, but um, yeah, the the LMU is a special community. You know, I think you know it as as an alumnus, as I as I do as well. And um, it uh, yeah, it really meant the world to me when when you could connect to to somebody and and someone would say, you know, hey, uh, you know, they they'd send an email or something and say, hey, um, you know, my my son's birthday is. Uh, happens to be when 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 the Lions are playing Santa Clara. Can can you give a shout out? It's like, of course, that's yeah. like, you know. And that's where, um, you know, whenever you know, as a broadcaster, any any time that you can create kind of that that personal interaction with with the fans, and and um, you know, it's it, it's an honor and a pleasure that they take time out of your day to listen to you. If if you could return the favor in some capacity, it was always something that that I cherished and enjoyed. Uh, was that you know if someone took the time to to say hey it would mean something to me if you could could do this um, certainly was was something I enjoyed doing and, and obviously you got to work in at the appropriate time you you, you, know, you got a basketball game to call yeah. you can't have it be you know two hours worth of, of shout outs and stuff but at the at the at the right time just to to thank the fans for um, you know for their support and their loyalty and in tuning in because uh, you know they're they're a big part of what what we do as well and we appreciate the support of you know, not just the broadcast more importantly their support of, of LMU athletics and, and and the players that you know put a work work so hard to uh, uh, you know put uh, put their best effort forward night in and night out on the court yeah no doubt about it and 
And Jeff, uh, as I said, I'm so happy you're able to, to come on and join me here. It's an this, honor. Yeah, this trip to Vegas is always something I look forward to, not only for the games, but just to catch up with you. Uh, and, uh, Likewise. As for the LMU community to, to get reacquainted with you again, because you obviously deserve it. And I've told you this many times, but I would, you know, I'm so thankful to you for, you know, 19, 20-year-old kids starting out. <laughs> probably not the thing you want to deal with when you're oh. trying to call some games, but for you kind of bringing me along and teaching me how to do things the right way. It's uh, something I'll, I'll always appreciate. Now, Jesse, it, it truly was an honor to get a chance to work with you, and I'm so thrilled to to see you and all the great stuff that you're doing. I couldn't be happier. Uh, Lion fans, it, it's really a treat for them to get to listen to you night in and night out. And uh, um, anytime I, I get a chance, to, when, when fans don't haven't had a chance to meet you in person, like last night when... Uh, I just happened to be coming down the elevator with a couple of LMU fans, and it's a thrill for me to get a chance to say, hey, I know you, you enjoy listening to broadcasts. This is the guy that uh, uh, you know worked so hard to produce it for you. But no, I'm just so thrilled to see um, what you've done. You've really you know made it your own. You, you do a tremendous job. I, I don't think you get enough credit for all the hard work that you do, not just in the broadcast, your podcast, all the social media. You know, the Lion fans and the Lion athletic community is truly, truly blessed and fortunate to, to have you. And, um, you know, I did this for 11 years. I sure hope that you uh, do it for many, many more. <laughs> add uh, add a, a few decades more to the end of that number because uh, it'll be a sad day uh, for LMU and the broadcast team when, when you decide to move on. But, of course, if the Knicks or the Clippers or, you know, or ESPN come calling, we'll be the first to, to, to cheer you on in, uh, in your next role. Oh, that's true. So we'll see what happens. But as I said, always a, a lion at heart. And uh, Jeff, uh, as mentioned, just thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll uh, keep on catching up and stay tuned with the Lions as they go forward. Thanks for the opportunity, Jesse. And we thank Jeff Lampy so much once again. Really great to, to catch up with him in Las Vegas not only one of the, the great broadcasters who mentored me and influenced me so much, but just one of the best guys possible that you could possibly know, the nicest and most genuine people in the world, and I'm sure that came through in the conversation. So we thank Jeff once again. We thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. Know uh, if you're listening to this, you can find us anywhere where podcasts are available, Apple and iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcast on all your social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on. Uh, if you like the show, please rate us five stars and review. It really helps us as we continue to grow the show. And know you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass and uh, follow along for any updates on the LMU basketball postseason bid. As we said, we do think that they have a good shot to be somewhere in the postseason. So stay tuned to, to my Twitter and also here to us on the Believe Podcast Network to stay up to date on that to see where the Lions could potentially end up for postseason play. But that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, as mentioned, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Also, head on over to Believe.com and take a look at some of the other great shows on the Believe Network. Uh, we know with a lot of free agency decisions and trades going on in football, check out the Rams podcast we've got going on over there. Also, really anything you can need, yoga, uh, basketball, football, baseball, it's all there and all here on the Bleed Podcast Network. So follow along, along and check out some of the other shows here in the network. But thanks for tuning in once again. We'll talk to you again next week. This is your host, Jesse Cass, signing off, saying if you're listening to the Believe Podcast Network, you're listening to LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe?
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.